Kasha! This is Michelangelo, aka Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Spencer. I'm just giving you a little heads up here at the beginning of the episode that you're going to want to stay tuned for the bonus content at the end of the episode this week. Keith has prepared something really special for all of us. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. And this week we are hitting episode 100. Wow. Ah. Spencer, how's I, it I feel feel? Like we, should, we should have that like Pee Wee's Playhouse, like word of the day kind of yeah. thing. Ah, 100 yeah. is the magic <laughs> word. Uh, but no, Spencer, congratulations, man. Like this little hobby that you put together uh hit 100 episodes yeah so it's like just over two years old now it's and we're still going i still haven't gotten out of the 87 series (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) thankfully there's still content um but no like this is it's it's truly an honor to be on a show that's lasted this long um like i say none of the other podcasts that i've done have gone this long i think my longest one we hit 98 and then it went on hiatus and oh no <laughs> so um yeah dude like congratulations on this episode uh thank you for having me and keith on you know this this wild ride um it's 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 been so much fun yeah, yeah really it's a it's a highlight of my week if it wasn't a lot of fun i wouldn't uh, keep doing it every week so well i mean there's that <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I mean, like, you know, just between the four of us or three of us too, like we've learned so much. We've gotten to do like a lot of cool stuff, Um, you know, namely interviewing Tom Waltz last year was like a huge thing for the show. Uh, And then this year, you know, getting getting to watch the Rise movie early because we're who we are, you know, yeah, Um, like it's we haven't done everything that we wanted to do this year but i think we've we're definitely achieving new things that we didn't expect and stuff i've never done before you know in any of the other podcasts i've been on so i mean again spencer like thank you for having me on this show yeah no thank you guys for being on it wouldn't be uh the show without you guys i knew that no one wanted to listen to just me talk for (laughs) for an hour I mean, like, I, I, I'm glad I saw you on Facebook asking, begging people to do interviews. Yeah, that was, that was quite the uh, time. You weren't begging. You weren't begging. I was, I was not Pleading, begging. maybe. Pleading, not begging. Well, it's funny, because I actually think that Mike, when he responded, was kind of like, 
teasing just a little bit kind of trolling and then i was like well do you actually want to be on the show because you, you can be on it dude like it's fine and then you were like you know what actually yeah I think I think this entire maybe, time it's just been Mike eating crow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this whole time I have not been wanting to do the show, but because Spencer was so authentic in the way he asked me, I don't even like Ninja Turtle. <laughs> right. I don't uh, even know what I was doing on that Ninja Turtle group, but yeah, right, yeah. I'm just in there to make fun of people. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I, and, it, and it's funny. I think, God, it's been so long now that I. Th- think that's kind of where i was like i think i kind of molded over because at the time i was still wanting to do my own show uh-huh. um and i couldn't i i just i didn't have the energy to, to do it um i mean i'm a lousy editor first of all um but i think when i saw the opportunity with you um and i didn't have to do any editing <laughs> it was like all right Let's make it happen. And as you you seemed like a cool guy in the group. Like you were quiet. And then like you and I talked for like, I don't know, like an hour and a half, just kind of getting to know each other. And I was like, you know what? Like I can do this. We can, let's have fun. Yeah. Yeah. The whole that man, that was like a weird time too. Is like the whole interviewing process of seeing who I wanted on the show and talking to different people. Did you interview anybody other than me and Keith? Yeah. There was another guy that had like Jason Manzuka's energy. That I talked oh, to. Man. <laughs> I don't do with us. Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> because oh because Jason Zuka's energy. Because because Zuka's energy is also like because like more so than the actual human being, it was probably closer to like his character in Brooklyn Nine Nine energy. You know, like <laughs> like a little bit of chaotic energy in there. Seemed super nice, super cool. Uh, I don't know. I just wasn't quite quite sure on him. So. Uh, I went with you guys. I'm glad he failed the interview. Yeah. But let's I hope he's okay. I, hope, I know. I, I know. I, I hope he's not to listening to this. He seemed like he had he seemed like he had a lot of things going on at the same time too. And I think recording times weren't gonna quite match up with with the other stuff that was going on anyway. Uh, yeah, it it seemed like so boring. We just have all this free time to yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> he had like a band, I think, and things, you know. Oh, gotcha. A lot of stuff. I guess Keith did too, though. So I did too. Yeah. Maybe I'm just a, I'm, I'm good with the time management, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, now I'm curious. I'm, I'm really interested to see <laughs> who this other guy was. I can't uh, remember his name, what his name was. <laughs> he seemed yeah. super cool though. I really liked him and I was like right on the edge of having him <laughs> on the show. But I, you know, in the brief time I got to talk to everyone, he seemed also like the most chaotic, which I wasn't ready to embrace chaos at the time being gotcha. the, uh, the stick with the, you know, the guy with the stick shoved up his butt that I oh. am, you know, <laughs> now here's the real question though, is which the of stick us, isn't he, that big. which of us did he almost take the place of, you know, was it, which one of us was going to make the show? <laughs> no, I don't want to know that. And, yeah. We shouldn't talk about that. At all. I, I honestly can't even remember. <laughs> but, Good answer. Yeah, a, Good yeah. answer. Political, political uh, so yeah, so guys, a hundred episodes. Um, so we wanted to we wanted to change it up a little bit uh, and not talk about eighty seven this week, <laughs> yeah. um, and kind of just do something a little, just a little bit different, uh, a little bit more retrospective. Uh, so the three of us picked 
uh, our one of our favorite or our favorite uh, things in Turtle, just any version of the Turtles. Yeah, any episode, any issue, what you, you know, just something that we liked that we're going to be discussing. Uh, I just want to do something really celebratory. And I feel like just kind of indulging ourselves and talking about our uh, favorite parts is uh, definitely a celebratory thing. Oh, yeah. Breaking the mold this week. Yeah, doing something, you know, reviewing old content. No podcast has ever done that before. (laughs) (laughs) Let me start then with my favorite or one of my favorite because I it's too hard for me to pick between all the things I love. Yeah. So I'm just pulling out one thing that I particularly loved that I wanted to talk about. And so the thing that I loved is Michelangelo's macro series issue from the IDW series. Uh, So Michelangelo number one macro series. So unlike the micro series books, which are like the length of a normal comic book, the macro ones are twice the size. It's like a big 50 page story. Yeah. They were in the lead up to issue 100. Is that, am I remembering that? Yeah. Yeah, I was getting real close to that. So yeah. the story takes place just after the Triceraton invasion. So like everything is kind of destroyed in New York and there's a whole ton of orphaned children and the turtles are taking them in trying to figure out where they want to, you know, what, what they're going to do about these kids because they can't just leave them there and there's no infrastructure there to support these, you know, this many children. And so they go to their father Splinter, who's in control of the Foot Clan at this time and ask him to do so. And his only request is that they give the like that the his only request is that the the kids end up becoming foot ninja recruits mm-hmm. so they'll be trained to become the next generation of foot and a uh, reasonable request yeah and well, the, I, I think they talk about like like that's what the foot clan had done for years it's kind of revealed yeah around the same time i think but yeah like they, they kind of have their recruits and things and so they you know, Michelangelo was not down with that. He uh, rejects that idea and rebels and tries to run off with the children. And this leads to a confrontation between him and Splinter uh, in which Splinter, after fighting his son, comes to see that uh, he's kind of made a cold-hearted decision in how how good his son is and uh, yields. But uh, I, what I love so much about the story is... It's got like everything about the IDW series that I love in it. Like, well, I mean, not everything, but a whole lot of the elements that, that, that it brought in. So like, number one, like, I think it does a great job of showing how the Ninja Turtles should demonstrate the turtles being teenagers. I feel like in most versions, it's like, oh, they're into pop culture. Oh, they're kind of stupid. You know, oh, they, you know, yada, yada, like just kind of very, very like stereotypical teen things that, I don't know, to me, there's so many different kinds of teenagers out there that none of those things, in my opinion, really define being a teenager. But the one thing that I feel like really does work and it works for someone who's completely outside of a school system or anything else like that, that teenagers usually fit into mm-hmm. is growing into your own person and finding like where your idea and values are and even seeing them differ from your parents and kind of rebelling a little bit and, and finding yourself. And that's what they do in this series with splinter, you know, kind of being like, there are some cases where you do need to kill. This is a war, you know, he's a ninja, but he's taught his children to value life. And so they're not down for, even if, you know, it's maybe necessary, they're not really down for killing anybody. 
so the turtles have rebelled against him and you see mikey doing that once again with him trying to take these kids and raise them up to be the next generation of foot uh and and so i just really love that about like this version of splinter as well like he's very flawed in in that aspect like he wants to protect his sons he wants to do what's best for them and he's trying to do so uh you know it's not like he's a bad father but him and his sons do not see eye to eye Mm -hmm. on these issues uh and that's what causes the rift in their relationship uh it's just super cool like it's it's one of my favorite things about this series is just the different usually you'll see in most versions there's this conflict between leo and raf leo and raf but like in this version there's so many different conflicts between so many different characters like in the family at different moments that it, it just really brings something new to the table and makes the family dynamic a lot more interesting I really love Splinter in that comic. It, yeah, like he's so, he's such a good character in this version, in, in the IDW series, because it's, it, it's it, it's a darker Splinter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love like, the... so like in issue 50, when he kills, uh, he kills Shredder, and then he's, he's like, I'm now the leader of the Foot Clan. Mm-hmm. And the turtles are like, whoa, what? And he's like, guys, this was always the plan. It's like, man. Splinter, uh, he's kind of evil <laughs> in his yeah. own way, but yeah. But the like thing he, is, is, he's doing everything he's doing to protect his sons, though, and to and to you know try and give them a better oh, yeah. life. You know, that's the thing yeah, is, like totally. he's he's got good motivation. It's not even like he's a bad father. It's just that him and his sons don't see eye to eye on how things should be done. Mm-hmm. And so, like that's where the rift in the relationship happens. Like it's it's just cool because you can see different characters not necessarily doing the wrong thing in their own relationships, but just disagreeing on something. And that's, what's causing the rift in the, in the relationship. To me, that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. I gotta go back and read that macro series. All I remember is them fighting. I'm on my IDW read through right now. I kind of took a break, but I just been reading Armageddon game (laughs) because I read that for tonight. Um, And yeah. I got to go back and read like that lead up to 100. Yeah. The, the other thing that this issue shows that I really like about the series is like how much it fleshes out Michelangelo as a character. Usually he kind of gets reduced to the comedic relief. He's just kind of dumb or goofy, uh, but he doesn't really get much in the way of development very often. And so this one really does a good job of hearkening back to his micro series issue all the way back in the original Ninja Turtles comics, where you can see he's kind of the person that wants to be out in society. He loves people. He loves being around them. And it's just kind of a tiny inkling of that. That's in that uh, issue. There's like, just like a little bit of that in there. And so you just get to see even more of him being like the idealist that, you know, loves people, wants to fit in, wants to do the right thing all the time. You know, he's got like the heart of gold. Um, and that's, that's just really shown throughout this series and it makes him a very strong character in it. And I really love that about it. It makes him my favorite character, Ninja Turtle character, probably in general. How do you feel about, I remember in that issue, he had like, like compression stockings on. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? I think it's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not one that's never like really nitpicked over ninja turtle costume super hard i don't know for i guess i do nitpick on like a few random things like i don't like the initial on the belt buckles 
I I like. Well, you tell them apart. The the mask. Yeah. <laughs> the They're mask. all red masks. But but they don't all have red masks anyway. But I, I also mm-hmm. like it when their eyes are white. I just do. Uh, but it's not like anything that's going to completely turn me off of a, a good story. If their eyes aren't white, that's just I, nostalgia I like, talking. I like the compression uh, socks because I mean that's an element that's still um, like to this day. That's it's depending on the artist, they still draw the draw him with those. Mm-hmm. Like I think Pharaoh Pay does, and maybe Federici does. Yeah, and one is like a fun kind of like, I guess, you know, him showing off some sort of style in, in one way or another. Uh, yeah, I do like when they have different gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Giving him a little bit more self-expression, but without like going overboard on it. Yeah, like it's not the, um, like the 2014 Out of the Shadows looks where, you know, they're wearing a lot of stuff so you know that each one is an individual yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I like it with different gear i don't like when they're wearing their entire personality all over their whole body the entire yeah. time <laughs> yeah and like even then like i don't mind necessarily when they wear clothes mm-hmm. um because like i think raf in those movies is like the best balance of that um but yeah, yeah, I, never, I never got why Donatello had like a Super Nintendo controller on his arm. But I what, didn't either. And what's he using like, that for? Like, yeah, because he's the nerd. But see, like if they if he had used it for something, I might feel differently about it. Because like in Rise, Donatello has goggles and that like Futurama wristband thing. But like he uses it for stuff, you know? Yeah, like the but, the goggles yeah. help him see like the mystic stuff. Yeah. Like and how they get on stop. Big Mama's like train, yeah. Compression socks help Michelangelo not get blood clots. So. Yeah, exactly. or shin splints or anything, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, another another like Michelangelo attribute that I love when they kind of bring it into stuff, and they they did bring it in a little bit in this story as well, is that he has like incredible potential as a fighter if he's got the motivation backing up his fighting. Like, you know, in this story, he's standing up to Splinter because it's like something he really believes in. He's got motivation behind his fighting. And that's when he's at his peak as an ability and people are actually impressed by him. Mm. And he's able to pull off incredible things. Uh, but, you know, on a, on a normal day, he may just kind of be average. Um, you know, they, there's that kind of also in the 2003 series. Like, it's like he he's not really motivated to practice or to train, but he kind of ends up being the most talented or skilled when push comes to shove and he's really has some motivation behind his fight. Yeah. And that's like a, that's like a common thing with Michelangelo's, you know, kind of, kind of across all versions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 2012 is very much that way too. 2012 is that way. Um, Rise like, kind of hinted at it, like him being yeah. the most powerful mystic warrior. It's like, he's um, usually got like the most raw talent, but the, the least ability to train. Yeah. Kind of um, I think like 2007 and the live action movies really are the only ones that like never really tap into that. Yeah. Good, um, good, good pick. Good, yeah. 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 My, yeah, my, my final like little detail that I do also just love in this is there's a panel when splint, when like Mikey first hits splinter. Mm-hmm. Cause Mikey before in his, their last confrontation with, with splinter, like he was refusing to fight him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so there's a scene where Mikey actually hits 
Splinter when they first start fighting and it goes to his brother's faces and like it pauses and you can see like Leo just looks cracked. You know, Mm -hmm. Donatello is shocked and Raphael has like this like goofy smile of like, oh man, like look what he just did. Yeah, (laughs) I remember that (laughs) one. Where he's like almost kind of proud of him for for having done it. Uh, like ah damn little bro yeah and and i just it's just an awesome panel an awesome moment for after he gives splinter that first hit and you can even see splinter like also is shocked at at the fact that michelangelo just hit him yeah yeah uh it's just just a great little moment it's a great way to show the entire dynamic of the family change Uh uh-huh yeah and like that's the most you're right like that's and that's the way probably the most effective way to show that mm-hmm. is by having it be Michelangelo to be the one who like is so vocal against it. Well, that's the thing. Like, like he's his role and how they have him really fit it, fill in in the team here is to be like the heart of the team. He's not just the comedic relief or the funny one. He's, he's the heart, you know, he's a heavy idealist. Like he does not think this plan out fully in advance at all. Like he's just going to do the right thing no matter what, even if it's mm-hmm. probably going to end up being worse off than if he were to just let them become foot ninjas. Yeah. You know, he's taking over 15 children because he tries counting at one point and there's over 15, you know, there's at least 15 <laughs> Yeah, to go raise on his own. And he plans on just finding some farmland, you know, probably April's farm, like the family farm. Yeah. 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 To, to go raise them on his own, you know, and quickly you can see this falling apart as he's taking these kids and, he's not able to manage all of them and he's getting super nervous about it. Uh, so he, he, you know, he doesn't really think it through, but it's because he's, you know, doing all of his thinking with his heart and, and wanting to do the right thing, uh, which is There's once again, wrong with wanting to do the right thing. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of shows like that he himself also still has flaws as a character, even if he's the one that's always going to do what's right, his desire to do what right, do what's right can get in the way of doing maybe the the smarter better thing as yeah. well uh i just i love it a lot uh he's a really good character in this series yeah i know we talk a lot about like how good tom waltz is at writing and and sophie's run and and we, we talk a lot about those two in idw but this issue was actually written by ian flynn yeah who's known more for his work on sonic yeah it's, it's cool that like other other writers can come in and, and tell stories like this like i don't think there's ever been like just a one-off guest writer who's totally missed the mark on Ninja Turtles. Like it's, Mm -mm. it's a solid book. Yeah, no, they well because they come in and they usually end up writing, excuse me. They come in and they usually end up writing like TMNT universe or just kind of like the one-off micro series issues. Like I think most of those aren't written by Tom or Sophie. I think most of those are written by other writers that just kind of come in for those issues. Mm. Uh, and you can sometimes tell in some of the stories with how some characters are written, you'll notice that they feel closer to one of their cartoons than how when Tom writes it, just, but it's just little bits here and there, not necessarily yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything. Um, but yeah, like it's, they all do really good. So anyway, yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces of, of turtles media is that issue. I love reading it. I think it's a great moment in that series. It does take having the context of, everything going on around it to uh fully appreciate it i think but it's really good good pick all right keith what is yours yeah so um i had a hard time with this because like 
I think I I think of series more holistically than just like like I have a hard time picking out like this is a good episode. I'm usually pretty good at showing you what what's the worst episode, but the good episodes I'm I'm bad at picking out. And like we've already covered all the mirage and image stuff, which cuts out like a, a bunch of my stuff. I had a hard time picking out a single episode of like 2003 because like all my favorites of that are also basically a mirage comic so like yeah i'd have the same thing 2012 same problem like do i do the gauntlet or anwari or like yeah um i thought about doing the archie series but like i couldn't pick out like i would do the future shark but like that's a trilogy not a one shot i could do could do like the issue where slash dies so i remember that one really well i remember like even tracing it as a kid like if you look at my comic now you can tell i've like put paper on it and traced over and stuff and uh i was like but you know what? This is like my one chance to just pick something and I know we're going to cover all the rest of that stuff. So I might as well pick something I don't think we're going to cover. And also I could really stretch out this lead in uh, to kind of secretly talk about those things too. So, gotcha. All right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Crammed, crammed in a bunch of honor. Crammed in a bunch. But so I picked something I thought we wouldn't cover as something a little obscure. Um, I'm going to drop it in our chat so you guys can see it real quick. Good luck. Good luck finding something we're not going to cover. Yeah, I plan it. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, I signed up well on this podcast to cover everything. Yeah, I include Super Super Turtles Dice Genju. Oh, that's oh, coming boy. after the '87 series. Don't worry, <laughs> we yes. got it. Good, good, good. Oh, my computer's not liking me. Come on, the suspense is killing me. I know the suspense is killing us. Here we go. Oh, it's loading. Oh God. Ah, oh, hell yeah. Or yes. should I say, ah, oh, shell yeah. Shell yeah. Oh, man. Well, maybe we won't cover this because I'm not sure how to watch it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, we're covering it. Okay. Now, y'all you, you are seeing it, it, it. And you've both said the coming out of our shells tour, but this is not the coming out of our shells tour. This is oh. the making of the coming out of our shells tour. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So to this day, I don't know that I've ever seen the coming out of our shells tour proper. But I had this VHS as a kid, uh, and this is the behind-the-scenes making of, and it is absolutely bonkers, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was going like, to say bonkers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've ever like looked it up, but like basically it's like they treat the Ninja Turtles as though they're like real people who came out of the sewers with like a demo already recorded and like make the tour from there. And it like, even shows like the Turtles in the recording studio and like, Raphael's hitting like bongos with drumsticks and it's making like a whole band sound and stuff. It's it's absolutely bonkers. Oh, maybe we will talk have about to like cover this. <laughs> they oh, talk about I like definitely... meeting with executives and they even show like like uh, them playing on top of Radio City Music Hall before the tour came out and uh, like the reveal uh, of of the costumes and everything. It's crazy. I have not seen this in years. Oh yeah, it's it's a quick like thirty minutes. You can find it on YouTube, but like this was this was weird for me because i remember i have a lot of good memories associated with it um but i don't know that i liked it a whole lot when i was a kid <laughs> but like we got it at kmart and if you live where i live like kmart was the place because they had like they had everything first off they had a little caesars in there too that was like all decked out with uh, crazy chairs and whatnot and the electronic section had those big walls of tvs that like kmart played music videos. little caesars had crazy chair sorry little caesars had crazy chairs yeah. like crazy bread <laughs> yeah exactly yep you got it 
and they had i that's like the first place i saw the macarena was at kmart on like that wall of tvs you know and i, I can't believe that little caesar doesn't put that much effort into their storefronts right. anymore well but, you can't even sit down in a little caesar's anymore so. I, I missed out on a whole era <laughs> oh yeah oh look up like 90s kmart little caesar's they look crazy um and i remember like my grandma was visiting and i don't know if she like promised to get me something or something but i remember pulling this out of like their big vat of like really cheap 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 vhs's and be like grandma can i get this and she like looked at my dad and was like can he get this and my dad was like sure <laughs> and so i remember this being like on the vhs rack uh watching it a couple times but it, it's just guys it's absolutely bonkers it's just as crazy as like uh we wish you a turtle christmas or anything they go way too in depth and everything talking about like how donatello even modified the turtles instruments to be like have thicker keys and single strings because they have less fingers and stuff oh it's but wild. it doesn't explain it doesn't explain why they're wearing tennis shoes it does not no I, I'm so glad that there's a lore reason, though, of, of how they can play their instruments. And, and oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm and, grateful for the lore. I need it. And that, to me, that seems like a very Peter layered thing. Like, he's the kind of guy that would think <laughs> that through, yeah. you know? He's like, but, well, if, if we have to do this, I'm going to make a canon. <laughs> I'm going to need yeah. you to explain how they can play these instruments. Yeah, so, like, Donatello's keys are triple thick because he has thick fingers. And then uh, I think Michelangelo only has two strings on his guitar. Leonardo plays a single string fretless bass and then Raphael plays both the drums and the saxophone so he's got like a system in place to just like let the drums play by themselves so he can play the saxophone is, is how it works genius yeah and they even like they talk about like Donatello helping with the light show and everything and like show him walking around behind stage like handing people tools and stuff like it it's is basically it's bonkers. basically Donatello's home video. <laughs> yeah, basically. But even like Leonardo talks about like getting into producing songs and stuff. Like it is absurd. It is ridiculous. And the most ridiculous part of it is that like Ninja Turtles survived this. You know, like arguably it was more popular after this came out, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah, like it 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 treats the turtles like like real people, which like the the show itself does um, yeah. and you can really respect that like they I, I mean everybody knew that this was very silly and terrible but they all commit to the bit mm -hmm. i also love we wouldn't have that pizza power song that plays before the arcade version of turtles in time yeah it hardly enters your mind that there's something better than this. That's all I know. Yeah, I never bothered to learn the rest of the words to it. But have you guys thought of like recording your own like demo and you know presenting going on tour? But yeah, I. I love it. I can't wait till. I mean, we when we eventually do uh, coming out of their shells, uh, we have to include this. Yeah, because it's it's such a it's such a beautiful supplementary piece. Yeah. to that madness that is the coming out of their shells tour. Did you I know there was a there was a sequel to coming out of our shells tour. 
I did not know that. I, I think yeah. I actually have heard about that. Like an it's album. It's called like Getting Down in Your Town or something like that. Yeah. It was like a Six Flags uh, show. Oh, which I means did that not coming know out, that. Coming out of their shells was so successful, they made a sequel to it. And actually, I think Casey Jones is in it instead of uh, April O'Neil. What a thrill. What a thrill. We'll uh, we'll get there one day. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah, so it, it's a stupid God, thing. I've it's been, a weird I've been part reinvigorated of... for another year on this podcast. <laughs> it's a stupid thing. It's a weird part of history, but I have really good memories associated with it. So that's why I chose it. Oh, that's good. Um, I mean, this is, this is Ninja Turtles. Like, everything in this series is stupid and silly. And is we've we've said it plenty of times on the show like you can't really pick and choose like you can't say like you can't only you can only love the serious stuff like you can only love mirage but you can't pretend that this doesn't exist in turtles yeah i mean i i i myself am i'm definitely more of a fan of serious turtles but doesn't mean i can't get a kick out of the weirdest goofiest stuff that they have yeah, done like, with this franchise exactly like like this like this existing and this being a ton of fun doesn't invalidate mirage like at all like in fact you know it, it kind of just strengthens everything um and really really just kind of shows you how strong this franchise is that it could have all these different incarnations just these crazy off the wall you know, incarnations and <laughs> still be the same franchise. So speaking of different incarnations, uh, Mike, which episode of rise are you going to talk to us about? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I did say last time. Uh, so I am one of the largest rise fans. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm one of the biggest rise in the fan because I mean, the kids on Twitter, they're very passionate about uh, I do love Rise. In fact, actually today, five years ago today, they announced the voice cast and I was going through my memories on Facebook and I can confirm that I've been a stand the entire time. <laughs> uh, so huge, huge fan of Rise. Uh, so of course that was the easy pick. So I didn't do it. Um, it was kind of tough for me too, because having been in this franchise for so long, like there's a lot and I pride myself on experiencing a lot of uh, Ninja Turtles. And so that's why like, I wanted to pick something that kind of represented that. And also was kind of a curveball for what you would expect from me. Um, and so what I picked was actually Turtles Forever. Oh, nice. That is a curveball. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, so I, that's what I said like when when we were teasing it, I said you weren't going to you weren't going to expect what I picked. Um uh and yeah, so Turtles Forever was the kind of 25th anniversary finale for the 2003 series. Um and the 25th anniversary of the franchise and I mean we all kind of know what Turtles Forever is. It's yeah, the 2003 Turtles meet the 87 Turtles and meet the Mirage Turtles. Um, but what was so fun about this, I remember watching it live. Um, I'd already gotten out of 2003 at the point at this point, but um, this was kind of around that time when like I was 
kind of getting back into the franchise and um you know going online and meeting other turtles fans like you know the technodrome forums before they were what they are now um you know get, getting involved talking to other toy collectors like this was part of like me becoming the modern you know pop culture nerd that i am now um and turtles forever really is is a part of that because i just i remember the 25th anniversary was just so it, it started off so big and then it was uh you know down at San Diego Comic-Con that year. And it was one of the first years I had gone by myself. Um, so I, I have a lot of fun memories attached to this, uh, to Turtles Forever. And Turtles Forever was in November, t- 2009. Um, but, it, but it just, it felt so epic in a way that like the 2007 movie didn't. Like this, this was really good. Um, with just how it interpret interpreted like the eighty seven turtles and kind of brought them into that modern world, and we saw a lot of those gags that everybody hates, where you know the eighty seven turtles are really goofy, running around in daylight. Uh, you know, like oh, we're gonna get a pizza before we go. I don't know why I'm doing a southern accent. But like, oh, we're gonna go get a pizza before we go. Uh, before we go save whatever. Um. And then, like the April joke about the yellow jumpsuit is just funny. Um, you're like, why are you wearing a yellow jumpsuit? I'm a reporter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, this, like, and it's it's just always so funny to me to see people like talk bad about this this movie because of how it treats the '87 turtles. And like, the three of us are watching '87 week after week, and it's like, no, they're pretty much exactly this. Yeah, do you remember the episode where they tripped over change on the ground? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And but uh, but watching the 2003 turtles kind of have to interact with the 2000 uh, with the 87 versions, like just just the dichotomy between the two, um, just how different they were, is is really interesting to me. And I really like how it establish how it establishes the multiverse. Um, and just, so every version of turtles is canon. So the coming out of our shells versions of the turtles are in this, you know, they're, they're in the, the, the grand turtle verse when, uh, shredder trell is looking at everything. Yeah. Well, and I gotta say that way before, you know, the MCU did its, uh, multiverse stuff, <laughs> you know, on screen anyway, just saying on screen, yeah. you know, before into the spider verse. Yeah, there was turtles forever. Yeah, no, like bef- bef- like before <laughs> multiverses were popular, you know, yeah. turtles forever really, really established that, and that kind of just helped everybody kind of accept any future version of turtles just exists in a multiverse. Yeah, I mean, granted, like anytime you reboot a property, like that's kind of how it should go anyway. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they like did that in this version, um, and it's it's just it's a ton of fun like when hun gets turned into you know the the mutant turtle at the end like you know that's kind of just a big ironic thing for him yeah. um but yeah. i love the gag of like raf breaking the fourth like 87 raf breaking the fourth wall and then hun getting frustrated at him yeah i'm like who are you talking camera? to 
and just like looking into the camera. <laughs> um, but I do love like the whole, just the Technodrome and Krang and, and like 87 Krang and Shredder. And then like Trell getting that, getting the Technodrome and just making it so effective and mm-hmm. like scary. And then like Krang and 87 Shredder are like bumming around trying to like, okay, when can we do something? Which, once again, like, I would not say is out of character for those characters at all. Like, I honestly, like, think that the most in-character characters in this whole movie were Krang, Shredder, and Bebop and Rocksteady. Like, no, they are, you're 100% right. Yeah. Like, 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 the Turtles, I can, I, I, you know, I, I can hear the arguments of that they could use a little tweaking to be more like their cartoon counterparts. But Shredder, Krang, and Bebop and Rocksteady are no different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, and just the only, I mean, the only real downside to this is that they couldn't, they couldn't get the original actors for the turtles, uh, because this was a non-union show yeah. and all of those actors are unions. So, you know, you have stand-ins and some do better than others. Um, but it's, it's just, it's not the same. Uh, but I mean, the real highlight of this too is the Mirage turtles yes. showing up. Uh, and just that world and just how they immediately like dispatch their shredder <laughs> just like and just like in the comic like it's such a good in-universe gag and like anybody who thinks like mirage shredder is like this very intimidating guy it's like no he's literally a pushover well yeah he, he was killed in the first issue because they didn't think there was gonna be an issue too <laughs> no, right right yeah. but it's but it's yeah. just funny because like i think shredder himself, trash at him or something in this shredder himself never comes back in mirage yeah. so I mean, it's he, he does but he doesn't yeah, literally he does. him himself he never comes back but he kind of does well his clones of him do. clones with his same like mind and everything else so it's but it's not him. but it's not shredder shredder is what I, is my point yeah uh, but he but yeah it's just the whole movie is just, it's a ton of fun um and then i just i really love the ending with uh kevin and peter like making the comic yeah um which i didn't know uh that uh kevin did come back to voice that cameo oh wow that's cool i knew it was peter but i didn't know it was kevin too which i mean it makes sense because like why would you have somebody else voice that because it's supposed to be them yeah um but I mean, like this came out in 2009, so it kind of implies that they were at least on some kind of speaking terms then. Yeah, yeah. Man, I remember when I first saw this, because I, I had kind of fallen off 2003 also, but then 2007 movie came back and I discovered the original Mirage comics around the same time mm. and uh, got back into it with like TMNT smash up in the movie and everything. And I remember I was, I was in college, I was working, I had a job at the front desk of the dorms which really is just like checking people's cards as they come in um and i worked overnight so like no one ever came in and found it on youtube and man i was blown away by this movie like it was so cool to see like the turtles from when i was a kid and the turtles from when i was in high school and like back into them and then also like you know i just found the comics and here they are being referenced in in this movie like it was so freaking cool. I couldn't yeah. get over it. But I, I kept having to pause it when people come in and like not <laughs> let on that I was watching like a Saturday morning cartoon on YouTube. <laughs> I think it was I think it was living with my 
girlfriend at the time and I was like watching this. <laughs> it was just it was just so weird. Yeah, um, I I remember like waking up every cuz I think they I think they first premiered it in segments on Saturday morning cartoons. Like I think it first premiered at a convention. But then they I can't remember if it was in segments every morning or if it was or if they premiered it that whole first day, but I can remember like specifically talking to my mom being like I need this time <laughs> to watch turtles like mom, i like this you don't movie, understand it's an event yeah, yeah like like this movie i'm not sure if i'll ever be able to watch it ever again and like this is a big deal yeah. and uh, I, I got my extra time to watch saturday morning cartoons because <laughs> nice. of it but uh but yeah no I, I remember it being a really big deal for me and i absolutely loved it too i kind of like and- too that they they kind of re uh redesigned the redesign of the 2003 because like i had i had dropped off I, I missed at least the last three seasons of the 2003 like i didn't even know back to the sewers was a thing but they kind of made them look more like they did in season one two and three than uh fast forward and uh back to the sewers yeah yeah back to the sewers they changed their design to make them look more like the 2007 uh, movie mm-hmm. because they'd released action figures of the 2007 movie yeah uh and so they were just gonna kind of piggyback off of that yeah and it's funny because like they never because they never released like a back to the sewers toy line it all just kind of piggybacked off of the 2007 movie so like having those designs kind of like if you squint look like it um yeah all they really did was give them pupils and like make them look probably like the flattest animation you could have yeah. given them it's but, crazy but, to me that we didn't have back to the sewers toys because like they have like, like what psychonaut armor or whatever when they're well, like and, the, the, and like everything is a toy in that yeah show, no they know? they were they're they're like code running vehicles or whatever that they're like mm-hmm. driving around the internet they had to put those in the show to advertise toys that playmates had planned that never happened yeah uh, i found that on twitter with someone talking to the one of the guys that was behind it yeah, like they they had planned a toy line for it, but the 2003 series was like really just on its way out. Yeah. Um. So like the toy line, that's why the toy line kind of got just merged with the 2007 toy line, and just that was it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just so I think this was really just the grand send off, uh, for the 2003 series in this era of turtles, um. I just, I just really like this movie. Like I watched it again earlier this year. Um, and just the, un- the uncut version is obviously the way to go. Cause there's two edits. There's the TV edit, which is the one that's on DVD. And then the uncut version, which is like 10 extra minutes of footage. Oh, wow. But it just kind of fleshes out more things. Um, so like there's a scene where there's a scene where like 87 and Donatello were working together um and then like trell demands to see like the portal like during his tour so like you kind of find out why he knows about the the portal um casey and april have a, of an extra fight scene um like the 87 and 2003 circles are like debating which shredder is worse <laughs> huh. um not sure which one i've seen it's been a couple of years since I've released seen. turtles forever uncut nickelodeon yeah <laughs> release the 
the uncut cut. <laughs> <laughs> the no, who, no who cut, is, cut. Who is the yeah. Snyder behind this so I can just tack his name onto it and, and start a movement? Who did direct it? Let's see. Eternals Forever. The director's <laughs> cut. I want it now. Let's see. Directed by Roy Burdine and Lloyd Goldfine. I want the Burdine Goldfine cut. <laughs> awesome. That, this is fun to talk about. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. No, it is a treasure. I, yeah, I, like I said, I remember it being a really, really big deal when I watched it. And uh, I think they premiered it again or aired it again, I should say. It's not really a premiere if you've already aired it before, but I think they aired it again on its last weeks on four kids when they were yeah. going to send it off. I think that's it, when it got cut up into segments. It does very much have like a, a feel of finality to it. And, and really like Mirage or uh, Peter Laird sold turtles like right after this, I think. So, yeah. And so I was really surprised to learn that uh, this movie actually kind of just got mid to bad reviews. I think kind of across the board, all the turtle movies have mid to bad reviews. There's like, well, ironically, really not like the, it, but. ironically, the only two movies that uh, only two turtle movies that are that have the highest ratings are the Rise movie and Batman versus Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but those are, I, the, those are the two best rated. Uh, it's just because they're so new that they haven't had angry video game nerd. Uh, uh, YouTube shows about him yet? <laughs> Probably not. I, I there's mean, that, but there's also like a thing where like you have a certain audience, uh, and when that audience finds the thing, they they love it and they because for example, like you'll find like there's a ton of like the animated DC movies like uh, Under the Red Hood that have like near perfect reviews. Like it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It's my favorite of the Batman animated. Batman. It's yeah, I mean, Under the Red Hood is kind of a poor example because it is like one of the best of the animated DC movies, but still John DiMaggio was the Joker. Absolutely. I love his but like, but like would would I like look at Under the Red Hood and be like, oh yes, this is better than like or just as good as this movie that got an equal rating, right? Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane, yeah. Like I think the I think the misconception is that like you have to look at how those movies are released, like rise and batman versus ninja turtles like those aren't theatrical releases it's rise is a little bit different because that that's on netflix and netflix is like a theatrical company you know yeah in the sense that they make big movies but like this is like both of those movies are different than how the 2007 movie released in theaters um so actually this movie would be kind of rated by the same type of critic that would have reviewed the rise movie. Like it's yeah. not Siskel and Ebert wouldn't have rated turtles forever. Yeah. And, and so, but the thing with like turtles forever though, is like, like I said, because you have like a more niche and smaller group and you have to appeal to that group because turtles forever, you know, quote unquote, did the 87 turtles dirty, that group, that, that audience is going to be upset with it. Period. Well, I think like that's, well, I mean, I think this was still this was still in that era where like people were still kind of um, reacting to how different the 2003 turtles were. That is also because another possibility. Yeah, yeah, because they're because they're so because again, like people 
some people didn't like the 2003 series because it wasn't the 87 series. Yeah. And, you know, you have a lot of mainstream critics who, you know, you know, they're like, oh, I play video games. I played Tetris when I was younger. It's like, it's like those kind of comments that you hate. Uh-huh. You know, like, oh, I love the Ninja Turtles. I played with all the original toys back in the 80s. And it's like, well, I know where this is going. This is a guy who's not going to look at this objectively. Yeah. Um, and so I don't want to say that's how these reviewers were, but like, you know, one of the reviews calls the movie like incredibly dated. Uh-huh. A little weird. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it dated. Uh, but then it says like the 87, uh, the 87 crew is a little bit more mature than their 2003 versions. And I'm like, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but then there is one that says that uh, the cheap shots against the 87 turtles are pathetic and get old immediately, which yes and no. <laughs> like we <laughs> like we talk about constantly on this show, the 87 series has earned every joke that is made at its, at its expense. Well, and not only that, but the show makes fun of itself on the regular. Exactly. Like it's constantly mocking its bad writing or the other show things. does. Yeah, exactly. Like the it makes fun of itself all the time. Take itself so, seriously. Yeah. Like the show makes fun of itself so much that like literally what, what's the issue with this thing also making jokes about it. Yeah. And I, th- it, it goes back to like that, that mentality that some dudes have in this, in this fandom where, the thing that they grew up with is being told like is being said that it's it's not cool. They take it personally and think that like, it's an attack against them for liking something that's not good. And it's like, that's not, that's not the case. Well, there's all sorts of things that like I loved as a kid that I can look back on fondly and that I enjoy, you know, looking back on, but I'd have to stop and be like, oh yeah, that was so good. Like I, I you know, I'm not gonna sit and watch it now and be like, oh man, that was that was incredible, you know? Yeah. Like I I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Like, for example, like I, I loved Arthur as a kid, but I'm not gonna really sit down and watch Arthur now as an adult. Like there's sure, yeah, there's some funny stuff and things like that in in Arthur, and there's maybe some bits you'll see on the internet of people making memes from it now, but ultimately it was it's not like some sort of masterpiece or some amazing thing and if someone said that arthur sucked i'd be like mm, okay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably like, like 80, yeah well, yeah probably i could see that um but like 87 is the same way like i wouldn't i genuinely would not be watching it again if if it was not for this podcast yeah yeah and it's like going back and watching all of these episodes that i've never seen before or that like I've just haven't seen in decades. Uh, I mean, it, it's eye-opening and also like it does bring back those nostalgic memories, but also I'm a well-adjusted enough person to be like, yeah, it wasn't good. You know, the 87 series kind of sucks sometimes for yeah. long stretches of it. Well, and I would argue that it probably was a little more revolutionary for its time because I feel like shows like Transformers and He-Man and stuff took themselves very seriously. No, While they Ninja didn't. Turtles. Oh, okay. Transform Transformers, maybe. He-Man, absolutely not. Oh uh, well. Anyway, sometimes like I don't know from the bits <laughs> of He-Man I saw, it seemed like it kind of did to an extent. 
But like Ninja Turtles like actively had gags that broke the fourth wall and made fun of itself. And so like it was different to the other things that were coming out at the time, I would say. Like I can see why it was a hit is because like, it 80, was... He-Man, He-Man's very tongue-in-cheek mm-hmm. with a lot of like the jokes it makes at its, at its expense. Uh-huh. Um, and like 87 is the same way. You know, yeah. it's, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It knows that it's a Saturday morning cartoon to sell toys. Yeah, and so there's like I can see why it was a hit in in all of those regards. Mm-hmm. Like it, it makes sense because it broke the mold a little bit of of what else was coming out at the time and had a good toy line coming out with it. And that was its intention was to sell the toy line. It makes yeah. sense. But like overall for like a quality like story, there really isn't one. <laughs> there's there's really a whole, not a whole lot to it. Yeah, I mean it's it's first season. It's it's just like, you know, the majority of super mario brothers games like it's the same plot every game you know yeah with a couple things that are different but overall it's the same exact thing and and it's not bad like it's a good saturday morning cartoon where you don't have to think about it really but mario Mario at least has good gameplay though mario's got good gameplay yeah (laughs) like i don't mind playing a new super mario brothers game but nobody but plays but Super it, Mario for the plot, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although Super Mario Odyssey was really good, and I really loved the ending. I um, I should play that one. I, I oh, Odyssey's so good. I should um, play it. But going back, going back to this, like Turtles Forever, um, it means a lot to me, and it it is one of the reasons that like I am kind of excited when we eventually get to 2003, um, because like I I really just want to watch Turtles Forever again. So I don't want to do a full review on it <laughs> in this episode because I know we're going to yeah. get there eventually. Um, but yeah, so Turtles, Turtles Forever, that was my pick. Cool. Good one. I, Excellent. I we had some, we had some real good picks. I, you two did at least. Mine was crap, but. Yeah, yours was great, <laughs> Yours is good, dude. It was a good, it was a good segue into me talking about the multiverse. Yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome. And it is just like a fun piece of Turtles history because that's the other thing that I like about and why I'm a Ninja Turtles fan is like not just the content that comes out with it, but like the history of Ninja Turtles itself is interesting, and yeah. the the different high points and low points, and yeah, like it's interesting. In it's varied. Like this is a huge franchise that is going to be turning forty years old very soon. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, in we're recording this in November. If you're listening, November 2022, and like we're t- a year and a half away from the 40th anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. So that is wild. Uh, so yeah. So I think just, I think turtles forever is just a great movie. And it, it is, in my opinion, it is better than transdimensional turtles. Oh yeah. So. I'm on your side. Hey, see, I don't think 2003. My, I told you, I told you. Yeah. My my biggest thing with like my biggest issue with transdimensional turtles is I wish they did something somewhere to recognize the turtles forever already happened. Like if you're gonna introduce the idea of a multiverse and sit and play around with it, then like actually like recognize the previous versions of that happening. Otherwise, yeah. like you you're kind of have made there'd be no reason at all to have a multiverse no show. you're right like you're you know. there it's that's what makes 
tur- transdimensional turtles so frustrating is because it's so much of a repeat of trans or of turtles forever. Yeah. Like it copies so much. And it, it, it probably doesn't copy it. I mean, but a lot of the beats are the same. Yeah. Um, you know, it's even down to like having the Mirage Turtles at the very end. Like, yeah, it's it's really close. And, and uh, the the way they the way they kind of did the Mirage Turtles, like to to really try and make them different to how they did them in Turtles Forever, like you get a lesser version of them. Yeah. You know, talking in the narration bubbles. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite either. Uh, but like I said, my biggest thing is if you're going to continue to use a multiverse idea, acknowledge your previous dabbles in the multiverse and the other ones that existed before it. Yeah. Especially if you're still selling the DVD that has the story that you're just kind of copying and, <laughs> and you're refusing to acknowledge exists. It's It's a little frustrating, but that's just me. And probably everyone else. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there we go, guys. That is three of our favorite Ninja Turtles things for our one hundredth episode. Uh, honorable mentions, maybe. Keith, you got a couple out. Yeah. Um. Some of the other ones that I was thinking about including and didn't get around to. Um. Mostly two thousand three series stuff. I mean, from Mirage. I love Leonardo number one. We've already talked about it though on the podcast. So that's kind of why I decided against it. It's just a great example of like the strong points of Mirage of like the wordless action. I've said this like a hundred times on the show, which is also why I skipped it, <laughs> uh, that they have. I, I really love it. I also love, I can't remember the issue number, but they're one where they team up with the justice force. Um, it's just, for me, it really holds that love of comic books that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird had, have them teaming up with these old age superheroes. Uh, it's, it's a whole lot of fun. Um, and then uh, from the 2003 series, there's an episode called Grudge Match, which is another story about Mikey, like, you know, having the potential to be the most skilled fighter if he's motivated. Uh, pretty much after winning the Battle Nexus in a way that wasn't super legit he gets rechallenged by the guy and he is super huge and super strong and he's now forced to have to like fight this guy again uh it's really good i also just love the whole battle nexus arc and, and the battle nexus from 2003 in general it's awesome uh but those are kind of the other things i was juggling around uh there's probably a few others but those were like the biggest ones i was oh also hunt on the run Great three-way war story, you know, between the turtles, the foot, and Bishop. I, I always love a complicated everyone fighting everyone story. It's fun. It's got some great action. And that those are what I was juggling around. For me, I I was kind of waffling like with the original toy line, which like I love it. Um, it means a lot to me, but also like I kind of stopped collecting it pretty early now that I'm like really learning about more of it um and the video games like the the original video games like i love the original video games um but yeah turtles forever i think like i said earlier it it, it hit at just the right moment for me um 
where everything just kind of coalesced and turned me into the Turtles fan that I am today. Cool. 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 Well, so yeah. So guys, if you have any of your favorite Ninja Turtles things, could be anything, let us know. You know, by hitting us up online. Yeah. So Spencer, what are we doing next week? It, episode 101. Episode 101, we're going to be covering IDW comics again. So we're going back into the Armageddon game and uh, covering it as it comes out because, I don't know, we just got really excited about the event and wanted to talk about it. So <laughs> I got so excited, I forgot we were doing this episode. <laughs> those comics. They, they are really good. I'm excited to talk about it next week. Uh, it's, it's too bad that, Mike, you'll have to record some thoughts or something for us. Yeah, and, unfortunately, and- I, well, not unfortunately. It's my wife's birthday next week and our anniversary. Uh, so I'm taking next week off. Um, but you all got yeah. married on a birthday? Uh, no, I got married two days after her birthday. Okay. No, Do you just sorry, get one gift? Be- or two, days just like- her, two days before her birthday. Okay, figure that out. Don't mix it up. Two days before um, her birthday, <laughs> we got married. Do you get her two gifts or just one big one? Uh, I got her one big one this year okay. and I'm taking the week off of work and we're just going to kind of do a little trip around California, Southern California. So. Awesome. I hope you have fun. Do some fun yeah, stuff sounds, I've like a lot of, before. sounds like a good time. Yeah. So uh, the issues though that we'll be covering are 133 of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Armageddon game number two. Yeah, so like I said before, I'm stoked about it. I can't wait to dig in. So other than that, no real news this week. Um, I did see that there's going to be a Best of Leatherhead book coming out. Huh. Uh, that's by IDW. So I'm, I guess that'll probably include the first Leatherhead issue. Maybe the one where, I mean, there'll probably be something from IDW. Maybe the one in the Image Comics. Uh, I don't know if he had a very strong presence in adventures. Uh, he, like, one of the first ones they did that wasn't just a cartoon ripoff was a, a Leatherhead issue. So it'll probably include that. Okay. I would think. Yeah. So it'll probably be his first appearance in Mirage, which is in Tales of the TMNT, that one in Adventures, and that one in IDW. Well, I, I we'll, find, we'll find out good. when that issue drops. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's just my speculation, not official. So guys, that's going to do it for the 100th episode of the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. Thank you again for so much for just for being here through all of these with us. Um, us three nerds talking about these stupid <laughs> Ninja Turtles. Um, but thank you so much. We love you. Uh, let us know somewhere on the internet what you thought of us. And if you want to congratulate us uh, for doing this many episodes, Ninja Turtle Power Hour on Facebook, Ninja Turtle PH on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and yeah, tell a friend about the show, have them stop by, let us know what your favorite Ninja Turtles things were. And yeah, cool, that's our show this week. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga, dudes! Cowabunga, cowabunga. <laughs>
brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. Hey, thank you for sticking around after the episode. I've got a fun little activity for us. Oh. I haven't told Spencer and Mike what this is yet. This is all happening live. Live reactions right now. So, you've probably heard me say that sometimes the 87 series feels like it's written in Mad Libs. And I decided to go ahead and just put my money where my mouth is. I have created a Mad Lib that we're going to do. So we're going to write an episode (laughs) of the 87 series together. (laughs) Oh, geez. I'm excited for this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So I have, what, 28 things I need you guys to answer, and then we'll write an episode. So um, these aren't back and forth, but you each have 14 things. So don't worry. Uh, All right. Okay. So Spencer, I need you to pick one of these three. Reverse, inverse, or invert? Um, invert. Invert. Okay. Mike, I need a field of study. A field of study? Yeah. Uh, paleontology. Paleontology. This would help if I could type. Uh, Spencer, I need a proper noun. Um. Uh, how about uh, Batman? Batman. Okay. Uh, Spencer again. I need a mineral. Uh, obsidian. Is that a mineral? Yes. Uh, it's a rock. I don't know if it's like I don't know if it's on the periodic table. Well, we'll take that, that, that's elements. Not, that's elements, not, not minerals. minerals. No. Quartz. Mike. Quartz is a mineral, right? No, no, no. Yeah, no obsidian. There you go. Okay, me. Mike. I need a mineral. You need a mineral? Uh, Obsidian. (laughs) Uh, Kunzite. Kunzite. How do you spell that? K-U-N-Z-I-T-E. N-Z-I-T-E. Kunzite. Okay. Sailor Moon character. Okay. Spencer, I need you to pick one of these. Super, hyper, or mega? Um, I like hyper. Hyper. Okay. Mike, I need a funny word. Funny word, uh, quizabuck. Quizabuck. Okay. Mike, I need somewhere exotic. Somewhere exotic, Morocco. No, Bora Bora. Bora Bora. Uh, Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take you. you. Uh, Let's see. Mike, run around here. I need an edible fish. An edible fish? Uh... Why does that the one that stumped me? Uh, I'm trying to pick swordfish. Swordfish. Okay. Mike, I need you to pick one of these three. Giga, Turbo, Judo. Ooh. Or Judo. One of those things is not like the other. Uh, Giga. Giga. Okay. Spencer, I need a weapon. Um... Uh, a Naginata. Naginata. Well, we'll stick with the ninja theme. Okay. Mike, I need a room of a house. The study. Study. Okay. Spencer, something found in a museum. Um, 
Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. A a mummy. Mummy. Okay. Spencer, yeah. I need a whole number. 72. 72. Okay. Spencer, you're on a run now. Uh, I need a man-powered vehicle. A man-powered vehicle. A steamroller. Uh, that's powered by steam. <laughs> oh, oh, a man-powered vehicle. I see. Okay, I understand now. Sorry, I've been really sick this whole week. Right. You're fine. Yeah, my brain's fine. a little fried. Had a high fever the other I day. Just, I like that you pick the one vehicle that's described by what it's powered by. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Steam-powered uh, train. How about a wagon? Okay, I'll take that. Like, like a radio flyer red wagon. Awesome. I'm going to actually put in a radio flyer wagon. Perfect. All right. Uh, let's see. Spencer, is something you find in an office? Um, a printer. Printer. Okay. Mike, I need something slick. Uh, me. You? <laughs> uh, this is totally not slick now. I've totally invalidated myself. Uh, something slick. Uh, Torben Zix, uh, Blade of the Black Blade. He is pretty slick. I don't know if that's the kind of slick Keith was going for, but... Uh, this is why it's Mad Libs. Uh, Spencer, <laughs> I need a place you don't want to live. Uh, my parents' basement. <laughs> okay. Spencer's parents' basement. Spencer, I need a small fruit... A small fruit, a kumquat. Kumquat. Is that the K? Kumquat. I think so. Okay, Mike. I need a tool. A tool. A spanner. Spanner. Mike. I need a listening device. A listening device. Uh, AirPods. AirPods. Okay. Spencer. I need a board game. A risk. Risk. Mike, your turn. Something found in a museum. Uh, the Cross of Coronado. Cross of Coronado. Okay. Spencer, I need a medal. Uh, nth medal. Nth medal. Okay. Forget nerds. Uh, <laughs> Mike, something you keep on your desk. Action figures. Action figures. Nerds all around. Uh, Mike, I need you to pick one of the three. Ultra kinder bunsen 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 spencer something you find in an office um stapler mike something a magician would do uh make an audience member disappear All right, give me a couple seconds here. This, let's see. A special values, copy that. The computer's processing, it's compiling the code right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> Reticulating spleens? Yes. <laughs> Okay. 
we didn't we don't have a title for it we'll just call it uh the ninja turtle power hour uh hour of ninja turtles with power okay so in this episode the turtles are in their lair playing a rousing game of risk when suddenly they get a call from april on their turtle comms she says that she's about to do a special report on a new exhibit at the museum of paleontology the turtles turn on the tv to watch april's report april was interviewing dr batman who was showing off nth metal action figures which were recently uncovered in bora bora meanwhile in dimension x crane Krang uses his trans-dimensional AirPods to spy in on April's report. <laughs> he recognizes that the nth metal action figures are actually Giga Obsidian, a rare element <laughs> that, when combined with his new invention, the Hyperspanner, will give the Technodrome the power it needs to open a portal to get back to Earth. Krang sends Bebop, Rocksteady, and Shredder to the Museum of Paleontology to steal the nth metal action figures giving them a, Bunza, a Bunsen Naginata to defend themselves in case the turtles appear. They go through the portal to the museum and are confronted by April, who's easily taken hostage and tied up by the goons. The turtles try to call her to tell her what an excellent job she's done with her report on the infamental action figures, only to find that she won't answer. They decide they need to get to the museum quick, and Donatello suggests that they take their newest invention, the Shell Radio Flyer Wagon, which will get them there faster. At the museum, the turtles confront Shredder. Raph and Leo knock a mummy onto Bebop, immobilizing him. Michelangelo is able to goad Rocksteady into running into the cross of Coronado and knocks himself out. Shredder uses the Bunsen Naginata to incapacitate the turtles by making their audience disappear momentarily <laughs> and makes off with the incremental action figures along with Bebop and Rocksteady. <clears throat> when they come to, Donatello tells the turtles that, of course, the infamental action figures are actually Giga Obsidian, which Shredder and Crank combine with the Hyperspanner to power the Technodrome. Luckily, he knows where they can get Kunzite, which, in sufficiently large quantities, will invert the polarity of the infamental action figures. Turns out, Don keeps a stash of it back at his lab. They rush there in their new Shell Radio Flyer Wagon, available now at select retailers. <laughs> Meanwhile... Krang and Shredder are triumphant. The Technodrome is fully powered and they open up a giant portal to downtown New York and come rolling through. The Turtles are able to sneak into the Technodrome with the help of the Shell Radio Flyer Wagon's Quizabuck rockets. They confront the bad guys in the main room of the Technodrome. Shredder calls in like 72 foot soldiers to fight the Turtles. After a brief battle where the Turtles defeat all the foot soldiers with staplers and printers, the turtles use giant vats of Torbenzik's Blade of the Black Blade to <laughs> slick up the floor and push the bad guys into the Technodrome's study, borrowing, barring them behind the door. Donatello uses Kunzite to invert the polarity of the nth metal action figures, and the turtles make it outside just before the Technodrome is sent back through the portal, landing in the desolate land of Spencer's parents' basement. The turtles celebrate their victory with a kumquat and swordfish pizza. The end. It, it sounds like a Michael Reeves joint. It does. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that was that was really fun. Yeah, that boom Ninja Turtles episode written. They could, they could just animate that now. They they really honestly, could. yeah. <laughs> like, just put that to paper. That is that is it right there. I mean, there have been several episodes that were much less 
understandable than that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Man, this 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 deserves to be like more than just bonus content. It's it's a shame <laughs> that it's hidden back here at the end. I'll have to like give people a little like advisory at the beginning like yeah you're gonna want to say this this was a fun bonus content for our 100th episode so guys if you made it this far uh without spencer's warning (laughs) uh thank you so much for for staying here for it that was really that was a lot of fun yeah thanks for playing along guys yeah thank you keith for prepping that whole thing oh yeah all right guys i've got to get going yeah yeah you guys take care all right take care guys (laughs) bye Bye. Bye.